it's there. But uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20 are the scripture that I want to read tonight as Paul begins to wind down and draw his conclusions out of what the Holy Spirit has given him here uh, in this uh, letter that he wrote to this uh, group of people. Philippians 4.10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. There are questions that I think the human heart asks of us, probably each and every one of us, every day as we get up. And we may not want to admit that deep down in the recesses of our heart, we are asking ourselves these questions every day, but we are. Here are they. I think there's at least three of them. First one is, will I be loved? I mean, we want people to accept us and like us. That's why I was a little discouraged when I pulled up and saw two cars. I thought, oh, well, the word must have got out that I was speaking tonight, and so everybody decided to stay home. But no, I mean, we, don't we really, don't we ask that question every day? Am, am I loved? Another one is, will people tolerate me once they really get to know me? I mean, we put on different personas based on where we are. And, you know, if you want to really find out the truth about a man, ask his wife. Because she or his kids, they see him in the home every day. And we're not always all that we ought to be. And the third one is, will I have enough to live? Will I have everything today that I need to make it? In some ways, we all fear being rejected, we all fear judgment, and we all feel poverty. And we hunt for those items with our life every day. When we think about uh, judgment, when someone finds out who I really am, man, the hammer's going to fall and it'll come down because we failed, not just once, but over and over and over again. I mean, Lord, you know, help me with this habit. I, 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 I want to conquer it and I'm going to do it. Amen. And an hour later, guess what? 
And we just say, man, how much of this are others in God going to put up with? And we also fear, let's be honest, that, you know, I'm going to face some consequences of that. Now, there may be some consequences, but maybe there won't be, but we fear there will be. You know, I'm going to have to pay for this. God's going to get tired of this. We think those things. That's why we love a good story about mercy and forgiveness. We are afraid of not having the provisions we need to live that success by the world standard are going to escape us. You know, am I going to have enough to retire? Am I going to be able to have enough to, you know, pay the mortgage or pay the bills? And we worry about those things. Am I going to have the provision we need to live? And I think that's why we like stories of people who've gone from poverty to wealth and We look at their success and we say, wow, that's a good story. Well, when you think about those things, the verses that I read in Philippians become really intriguing. We would think if we just read those verses in the context there, not knowing who Paul was, not knowing what he had been through, we would think that that they were words that were written by a successful, prosperous businessman at the end of his career. Man, I have everything I need. God's supplied everything I need. And everything is just going good. Praise the Lord. But we need to realize that's not true. These words are written by a 60-year-old plus Jew who was chained to a Roman guard under house arrest, subsisting on a meager diet. I mean, he hasn't checked any of the three boxes that we talked about each of us probably face every day. And yet we find in Philippians chapter 4, these words are not words of fear or uncertainty. They are words of contentment. They are words of confidence. They are words of joy. And that's intriguing. The word translated content is is an interesting word in this context. It's a word that is not one that's translated, well, you know, I don't really care. I'm not concerned about that. But it's one that implies I know that I am sufficient, not of myself or because of who I am in this context, but it it was used in the general culture as one who was self-sufficient. It was used of countries who did not need to import anything. They were content countries. And that's the idea of the word. He, He is using it in this context to understand, I've got everything. I'm I have all that I have to need. These words in Philippians 4 not only speak of contentment, but I believe they speak of flexibility. I mean, he describes his life, and if you're familiar with the life of Paul, you see that it was a yo-yo, up and down and up and down, accepted, rejected. Having some things supplied, being treated well, to being stoned and run out of town and left for dead. And that's the, the, the pendulum of his, of his life, up and down all the time. We want consistency and predictability. I don't know about you, but I like that. I like to know every day, 
you know, kind of what's laid out and I have my plan and everything goes according to that plan and, and that makes for a good day by my standards, not necessarily by God's. Philippians 4 also expresses confidence. I can do all things through Christ. And the idea is that I have the power and the resources necessary to do whatever God has planned. And as you think about that, it does not say I can do all things through some of the things the world turns to, drugs. I can do all things through education. I can do all things through money. I can do all things through success. I can do all things through friends. I can do all things through positive thinking. I can do all things through political office. That's not what this verse says. The secret to Paul's contentment and flexibility and confidence was the gospel and the person of the gospel. And as I thought about that, I realized that there are some aspects of the gospel story that really match up with those questions that we ask ourselves every day. Can you think of a greater love story than the gospel? I mean, it's the story of God who places his love on people who do not deserve his love. I mean, I'm standing before you and saying, I don't deserve it. I marveled that God had me in the category of forgiven and that God, because of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary, was able to put to my account a level of faithfulness that he was willing to use me. That's an evidence of his love. One author wrote this, God sent the Son of his love to make a sacrifice of love so that we, his children, can be welcomed to his arms of love and become a community of love that takes his love to those in desperate need of that love. I think that's a great description of our, our Christian walk, how it begins and how it's to continue. And it's all based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary as he died on our behalf for our sin. So that question, if you get up in the morning and you say, am I loved? The immediate answer is yes. Not because I deserve it, but because Christ was willing to die for me on the cross of Calvary. And God's word says that I'm loved. And we know the answer to that question. Satan is still going to try to use that that question to haunt us and cause us to doubt God's love and can doubt, doubt our own love, but the gospel is a story of love. The gospel is also the world's most amazing forgiveness story. And not only is it you know, just a love, God you know, could have just told us he loved us and put it in his word, but he demonstrated it through this marvelous act of forgiveness it's the story of one who was willing to die for sins that he did not commit so that the people who committed those sins could be fully and completely forgiven. And not just forgiven of what we had done up to that point, but forgiven of everything that we're ever going to do in our life. That's an amazing story. 
And see, we don't stand at the precipice and tell God, okay, God, I'm sorry for everything I've done up here. I've confessed it all. And then go forward. Oh, I slipped again. So now, you know, I've got to start all over again. I lost everything. That's, that's not God. That's not his plan. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. Because I know you'll find this hard to believe, but I'm a guy that needs to be forgiven a whole lot of times. And I don't deserve that forgiveness. Again, I like what an author said. It's the story of a righteous God who made a way through the sacrifice of his son to forgive rebels against his authority without compromising his holiness in any way. I don't understand that. There are times I find it hard to forgive. I can think of times where I mean, I had to really work real hard to just lay it aside and, and let God deal with it and trust that someday when those individuals or that individual stands before God, God will deal with it in the way that's right and he will let me know that maybe I didn't, you know. And the third truth about the gospel that speaks to those questions that plague our hearts is the gospel is a great provision story. I mean, not only does God say, I love you, not only does he actively provide for our forgiveness for everything we've ever done or ever going to do, but on top of that, he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to provide everything you need to do what I want you to do every minute you breathe during your life. That's provision. Now, it may not be what I think I need. It may not be what the world or estate planners or anything else would, would call adequate provision. But my God has promised to provide. And I'm going to be honest with you that I still have some questions that I would like for him to answer for me so that I can, you know, feel a little better going forward. But he's not obligated to, but I know he's going to. And so that's all wrapped up in the gospel. Not only do I love you, not only do I forgive you, but I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you everything you need for life and godliness. And, and again, I, I like this, this picture. He opens his vast storehouse of provisions to impoverished rebels who deserve nothing but who get everything. That's what God has done for us. No needed provision withheld, no, un, no necessary gift left ungiven. So as we think of the gospel and we understand quickly those truths of the gospel, let me ask another question. If we are God's children, why are we haunted by questions of love and forgiveness and provision? Why are we? Why would we be afraid when Christ, when in Christ we have been completely accepted, eternally forgiven, and richly supplied? I mean... Those truths go against our nature. 
And every day when we get up, there's someone right beside us who wants us to forget the truths of the gospel. And he has, Satan has his plans for our day and God has his. And, you know, we need to trust God and make sure that we are claiming the realities and the truths of the gospel. Because of Christ, we are loved. Because of Christ, we are forgiven. And because of Christ, we have everything we need for life and godliness because it tells so right here. Just think about those for a while. And we could come back next week and look at the same things and we could talk about more ways that God has done these types of things to us. It's just an amazing feat. God loved us. God forgave us. I mean, that's the one that I get stuck on. And God will provide everything that he wants us to have to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish for his honor and his glory. And here we are looking at one another. I don't have what he has, but I have more than he has. What does God, what has he not demonstrated to us? Paul, I think, understood those truths. And I think Paul in the book of Philippians kind of addresses them in some practical ways as he brings the book together. And he just sums up for these Philippian believers, hey, remember, you have a God who loves you. You have a God who's forgiven you. And you have a God who's going to supply everything that you need to do what he wants you to do. And I think Paul had a sense of some persecution and all that was coming for those believers, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Paul grasped the practical truth of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel that you have given to us in your word. The whole word of God from beginning to end is a gospel story. And it culminates in the coming of your son to take on uh, the form of a man and, and be completely God and completely man and take upon himself our sins as he died on the cross in order that we could be fully forgiven, in order that we could have a constant reminder of God's love for us. And it also opened the door for God to be able to bless us richly, far above all that we could ask or think or deserve. Father, daily as we wake up and Satan begins to put in our mind those seeds of doubt, those questions of doubt, may we just think of the truths of the gospel. And go about our day following you in faith, trusting in your word as a truth that it is. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory and honor for the differences that we'll make in our lives.
for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 